All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. You are here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty well, and we're very excited. We finally get our special guest on here we've been looking forward to for a while, Gary Steffes. Yeah, we're excited. So why don't you do the intro and yes. we'll get right into yes, it. Yes, my long intro. So Gary suited up first in the U- USHL as a teenager from 2004 till 2006 and later enrolled at Miami University of Ohio, where he played for their hockey team from 06 to 2010. After leaving the university, Gary signed his first pro contract with the Tulsa Oilers and played for the team for three seasons from 2010 till 2013, and also made a 16-game stint in the AHL with the Lake Erie Monsters. Following his exit from Tulsa, Gary did join the Bakersfield Condors from 13 to 14, and the next season began his six-year tenure with the Allen Americans while making appearances in the AHL with several teams. Gary was a prominent figure in the Allen American community and also still holds the franchise record for most goals scored in a single season with 44 goals. Gary, thank you for coming on the show, man. Oh, what a blessing. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's an honor and a joy, and I uh, appreciate you thinking of me. Yeah. So, Gary, uh, like we said in the intro, we're so excited to finally have you on here. So get right into the questions. You were part of Team USA in a world championship. Can you tell us what that was like? Oh, man, that was a that was an experience. Gosh, you're bringing me back into into my teenage years, man. uh, I'll never forget getting to travel overseas and go to Breklev, Czech Republic and and travel with some of the guys I did. And you know, at that point, you don't know where guys are going to end up in their career. And, and so you're, you're with, you're with these guys and um, it just makes you so, so proud of guys when you look back, you know, cause you look back and you see where guys have made it and guys have played and, and uh, the memories we have, I mean, everything from um, playing against the checks and having the crowd just stomp, just stomp, 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 like so loud and throw stuff at you on the bench and throw stuff when you're coming off to, uh, um, you, you know, to, to playing against the Russians, to playing, and, and they're just not a physical country. And so, you, you know, you get these two, two hockey styles that just clash because one's pure speed and skill and one's physical and tough. And you're trying to figure out who's going who's gonna to dictate the way the game goes. You know, is it going to be an American style game on a big sheet of ice or are you going to have to adapt to them? And, and so I just, I remember, I remember the, the unique, just special experience uh that year we actually had uh, a sickness pass through our team while we traveled and so we had to play some games and guys were out and they were missing and just we we had to battle some stuff but it was just a memory of a lifetime it was special you said the checks were the the physical guys no 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 the americans we were we were okay but the checks i say the checks were they were fast and they were they were more physical than the russians Um, but no, they're, they're gifted, gifted country, gifted, some gifted players there. We played in Czech Republic. So the crowd was, was diehard. (laughs) We had, uh, Jeff Omer on last week and he spent 14 seasons from the KHL all the way through all the, just about all the European leagues. And he would talk about how crazy that soccer fan mentality they had in the uh, ice rinks. And he was like, it's crazy Mm -hmm. over there. It makes it so much fun. Honestly, it, it's, it is so much fun. And some of the guys that do play in Europe currently, they'll talk about that. And just depending where you play, especially some of the, some of the DEL programs in Germany, it's just electric and it's, uh, 
when the fans get into it and the community gets into it, it, it makes it really fun to play. I want to get into the Tulsa Oilers. So uh, we talked off air. So, you know, that we are more of a black and gold uh, Boston Bruins kind of base podcast, even though we have all of our guests are from all over the, the, the hockey and all the various leagues, but we live in Tulsa. So we're actually a Tulsa um, fan base here and we, we have season tickets. So I want to talk a little bit about the Oilers for some of the Oilers fans that uh, might be listening to this podcast. What were some of the good things that you remember from your time here? And, you know, remembering that most of the fans I think are going to remember you because Tulsa seems to have old diehard fans. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> There are some wonderful people in Tulsa, including you guys. You know, that's just great. I love, I love Tulsa, man. I uh, I loved I loved everything from um, the, the the booster club and the way they took care of us to the the staff. Like the, Bruce Ramsey was the head coach that year, and he just gave me a chance. He took me in. Um, he gave me a chance out of college. He believed in me. Um, and he he was a phenomenal player coach and just just helped me launch into to the pro career I had. Um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for uh, the equipment staff that we had and for the athletic trainers we had guys that just really, truly bent over backwards. And it was a culture there within within Tulsa that that was special I, I, from the leadership down, you know, on the team to the to the staff. Um, I'm thankful for, for that organization. I'm thankful for everything about them. And, and the city, the city was great. Like the, the people we met there, um, they love hockey. And at the same time, they're character people. Like they, they're, they're, uh, they're wonderful people. I still keep in touch with a lot of them uh, to this day. And I, I'm thankful for that. So it's not just uh, it's not just a hockey town. It's a, it's a, it's a great community. Now, when you broke in, um, was, were they part of the CHL at that point before the merger with the ECHL? Yeah. So I played three years in the, in the CHL and then, uh, no, actually four, no, so the, I played my first three years in the CHL. Um, then I went to Bakersfield and played in the ECHL in Bakersfield, but that year the CHL still existed. After my fourth season, um, I went to Allen and in that year, when I went from Bakersfield to Allen, um, the leagues merged and it was actually a pretty big deal because I signed in Allen. And then when the leagues came together, my rights went back to Bakersfield because they had, they had qualified me and they'd held on to me. And, uh, um, you know, my fourth season was my toughest pro year of my career. And, uh, and it's interesting, you know, just the way that God works sometimes, like I, uh, had the toughest year, they qualified me and they kept my rights. Um, but because it was a pretty tough year, um, I'm guessing that probably went into why they released me and traded me so quickly to Allen. And then, you know, my, my fifth year, Allen became the, the just best year of my career that just, I never in a million years could have dreamed and God bless me. Extraordinarily. It's just crazy that way that it worked out. So, you know, that we won the championship that year too, and got to be a part of a great organization in Allen for the next six years. So I'm thankful guys. It's crazy how God works. Yeah, and uh, that was actually the next thing I was going to ask you, Gary. Uh, that season where you had ended up claiming that Leeds championship title, the Kelly Cup, that was also your first championship victory, correct? It was, yeah. It was my first well, one. Yes, yeah, I so I, I, I look back over my career. Was, I, I've been blessed to, to win a handful of championships and teams I played for. I never won in professional. It's hard. It's hard to win at the pro level. And so that was really cool. Awesome. So from my perspective or our perspective, I don't want to speak for you, Andrew. 
Um, Allen and Tulsa just seem to have this nasty rivalry. Now, I, so I'll be honest, Allen has always seemed to me to be bigger, more aggressive, and usually have their way with Tulsa on the ice. Sorry, Tulsa fans. <laughs> but from the Allen perspective, was that was it there really that big of a rivalry, or were you guys just like, whatever, we're gonna play Tulsa? Oh, I think I think there's a rivalry for sure. I mean, they're three hours up the road. You play them 12 to 15 times a season. Anytime you play a team that many times, you're going to have a, a rivalry and, and rivalries can look different. Um, and just as teams are gifted differently, you know, Alan, um, the, the, the leadership there, coach, coach Martinson is a phenomenal coach and he's got a way he builds his teams. He builds it. He builds those teams with speed, with skill and with toughness. And so he brings those, those aspects together when he's developing his, his, uh, his team. Um, and Tulsa has had, you know, a list of coaches that have gone through over the last 10 years uh, with different perspectives on how to build their teams. And so you, you uh, I mean, you're going to have a rivalry no matter what. And uh, there were some years, I mean, Tulsa is some big time contenders and they still have phenomenal depth. I mean, guys like Adam Pleskash that are, that have been there for a while um, all the way, you know, reaching back to, to heart and soul guys that were just super impactful, like Tyler Fleck, you know, back, back with, with, with him, you know, and just some of the things that those men brought. Um, the, Tulsa's always had a great program. Allen's always had a great program. They've been gifted differently throughout the years, but you play three hours up the road. You know, you got fans that travel both ways. It's, it's a rivalry no matter what. And so one of the questions I actually wanted to ask is, you know, my father and I, we always make the joke, um, you know, here in Oklahoma, not too many people know about hockey or anything like that. Um, and obviously the Tulsa Oilers fans are all, most of them are diehard fans and season ticket holders. So kind of a two-part question. What was your reaction when you, I guess, first got signed or when was heading to Tulsa? And then what was your reaction when, I mean, you had that good of experience and, and notice, I mean, that had to be a shock, right? You're like, Tulsa, <laughs> that, they yeah. play hockey. You know, it's crazy. So, man, my senior year um, of college was was a, a rough year. Um, I from a hockey perspective, simply um, like I didn't score a single goal my whole senior season. I didn't know if I would get a chance to play pro hockey or not. Um, and I got a, I get this. You know, I came to the end of the year and uh, was was fully preparing to to maybe step out of hockey and step into ministry and do some things. And, uh, I just, I got on my knees. I, I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, if you want me to play, open up a door and I'll go wherever it is that you open up a door, I'll go. Uh, and if you don't, then I'm all in to serve you whatever capacity you want outside of hockey. And so I have this, this conversation with God and never forget the day. And it probably wasn't a week later that I get this random phone call from an agent. Still to this day, I, I think back and I, I don't remember who he was. Um, I, but I, I would, if I heard his name, but, um, this wonderful guy just, says, Hey, I'll, if I get you a job, you pay me 500 bucks, we'll call it good. And uh, I'm like, okay, deal. And so sure enough, he calls me back. He's got a contract for me in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, when I first got it, I'm like, Tulsa, where in the, what, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, is that really where I'm headed? And uh, um, you know, ultimately I've heard great things about Tulsa, but you know, the central hockey league was uh um, was more unknown to me than the ECHL. So I was looking forward to the ECHL, uh, but they're both the same level. You had the CHL and the ECHL on the same level, both double A. So anyways, I, I just didn't know as much. Um, and uh, long story short, I, I tried to see about contracts in other places and 
God had a plan for me to go to Tulsa and it was the best thing ever, man. When I showed up and just got to play for Bruce Ramsey and meet some of the guys we had that year to play under the leadership of the team. Like I mentioned, Tyler Fleck, uh, Stacy Bauman was there that year um, and other teammates like Chad Costello and, and Jack Combs, just men that were guys that I, I stuck with my whole career. Um, it, God had a plan and it was awesome. I loved the community, loved the place. And uh, to this day, Tulsa's got a sweet spot in my heart. So hockey's in Oklahoma, and it's strong. It's good. Yeah. Well, just for our, our, our <laughs> Bruins-based Providence Bruins listeners as well, uh, you know, Tulsa. And I think, Gary, when you played, you might have played uh, maybe in the, uh, the convention center. But they, uh, you know, they, they now have this 19,000-seat arena. I think it's the biggest ECHL arena. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful arena. They they can never seem to uh, keep the ice good, though. No. And the boards are always falling. <laughs> I played the BOK Center. That's where I played. Yeah. Yes. So I, I know that rig, the BOK Center. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's a great arena. But, uh, Andrew, I'm sorry, you get the next question. Yeah, no. So you had were mentioning, Gary, uh, you know, you had spent some time in the AHL as well. So what were the major differences between the AHL and the CHL and ECHL? Great question. Uh, easiest way I can answer that is I would say the American League, in my opinion, was 10% better at everything. Uh, so you have you, you find out in pro hockey, you got guys that are you call them bubble players. They they can play in either league. Uh, you have your bottom bubble players that can play in either league. You have your top bubble players that can play in either league. Um and uh, so there's 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 a real close, like it's really close, the double A to the triple A to the, to the NHL. But overall, when you look at it, the American League is 10% better at, at everything. They're 10% faster. They move the puck 10% quicker. They think quicker on their feet. They see a little bit better on the ice. Uh, they shoot a little bit better. And, and what you find is that typically most American League guys are, are typically um, – uh, and, and just as you move up to the NHL as well, uh, they're typically more like they're, they're higher, higher level players at more aspects of the game. So like, like um, they're, they're a competitor, they're a, they're a speed skater, they're a shooter, and they're a skill guy. You put all those things together, you're going you're gonna to find like a 10% increase in most of those areas for most American League players. So it's, it's not like the ECHL guys can't skate in the American League. They can, a lot of them. And they can all make a difference to a point. But for the most part, the AHL is just, they're, they're better at, a little bit better at just about everything, which makes a whole different level. And, and add, add on to it, they add uh, another forward line. So you have four lines in the AAA level rather than three lines. Uh, that makes the game faster. Just having an extra line, you just you play faster. You guys, you guys have more energy. And now, something that I know my father asked a guest a while ago, and I'm curious, Gary, of, of what maybe the answer would be here. But I know that a lot of teams they'll they'll have their young prospects and their the people that they draft and have in the AHL. And so, let's if you are an undrafted player and you're going from the ECHL and getting your promotion to the AHL. Did you ever find yourself or maybe even other players that you knew being demoted back to the ECHL simply because somebody was sent on waivers and they wanted to play that draft pick instead? Or, or was there a lot of that where they just kind of prioritized who was already signed to the organization as a whole? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, in my experience of being there, 
I don't know that answer, actually. That that um, I think there's speculation that, that stuff like that can happen. I think when they're signing contracts at the start of the season, um, I think that they can definitely give the benefit of the doubt to the to the guys that they've invested in from a draft pick standpoint. They're in their organization. Like uh, unless a guy is off the charts night and day better, they're they might they're, if they have a choice between the two that are relatively similar, they're probably going to take the risk on the guy they they they've reached out to. They, the teams will like to choose younger players because there's more time to develop them. So if you have two two players that are relatively even in their skill level, um, they'll usually lean on the younger guy because they have more time to take a risk on them. The goal the goal of the American League program is to get guys to the NHL. They, they care more about getting NHL developed players than they do about winning championships. I would say for the most part, uh, I think every team, no matter where you're at, wants to win and they will, they will fight tooth and nail to win. But the big purpose of the American league program is to feed that NHL program. And so they work in tandem. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so who was your favorite locker room character back in your pro playing days? And did you have that one teammate um, that you remember that always was able to hype the room up? Or was always that ball of energy? Oh yeah. Oh man. You're bringing me back. Um, I, my, my, my favorite player when I was growing up is a guy, I don't even know if you guys know who he is. His name's Kirk Maltby. You guys ever heard of Kirk Maltby? No. Yeah. Oh man. Number 18 for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Way, way yeah. back in the day we had, this was the, the Red Wings. When the, when the Russian five were active, when they were winning championships in 97 and 98 and 01 and 02, I think those are the years. Uh, and they, they had a huge rivalry with the Colorado Avalanche. Like that was my, my upbringing, watching the Detroit Red Wings play. And, and it was a line. They called them the grind line. It was Kirk Maltby, uh, Darren McCarty, and uh, uh, Chris Draper. And these three guys were just, just animals. And they, were, they, they didn't score every night. Um, they were, they were defensive minded guys, but man, they worked and they hit and they grinded and they just, they made a difference. They, they helped that team win championships because they made such a difference as a, as a grind line. And I just love Malpe. He was my favorite guy. He was a gifted, <laughs> awesome player. He could score. He could play. He was a fantastic penalty killer. He had heart and soul. He blocked shots and just, he, he fought hard, you know, and I just respected him. I wanted to be like Maltby. So he was my guy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So um, you had your number retired in Allen. Yeah. Now I know that that doesn't happen often, no, especially in those lower leagues, but what was that? What was that like? <laughs> One of the biggest honors of my life. When I first, when they told me they wanted to retire my Jersey, I cried. I couldn't, I couldn't hold back tears. Um, it moved me deeply. I, I, I don't guys, I, I'm not, I'm not a, an off the charts hockey player. You know, I had, I had, I was blessed to be a part of some great, some great teams, some championships, but like I had unbelievable teammates. I had, I had phenomenal, you know, opportunity given to me by coaches. I just, I was so fortunate and, and God laid his blessing on me. I don't think I it was because I was a stellar hall of fame hockey player that that happened. I, you know, I look back and consider it a, a real honor because I feel like, I feel like that was, that was bigger than hockey. That was a, that was a, a organizational, like, I just, I feel like maybe I made a difference in that organization in some way, you know, in people's Absolutely. lives that are going to be beyond hockey. And that for me, that for me was, was how I felt. And I, cause I don't deserve to be hanging there with some, some guys like, <laughs> you know, I, oh man. Was it, um, was it, was it a surprise or did they, did you kind of know it was in the works or no idea? Never saw it coming. 
Wow. Really? Cool. Never saw it coming. I, I, uh, yeah, Allen had never retired a Jersey. Um, they never, they never retired a Jersey. Um, and, and for me that year, 2017, I had a, I, I was really wrestling with, with what to do. I was, um, I was involved heavily in, uh, in a ministry called FCA, the fellowship of Christian athletes. I was traveling the world, doing hockey camps and, and, and sharing Jesus and, and just helping people grow in their faith, wherever they were at. Cause that's what happened in my story when I was in college. And, uh, um, and so that's what I was doing. And I was feeling this wrestle between, you know, is it time for me to, to step in and, and help a ministry and step into ministry full time, or should I keep playing? And I had a heart for both. Um, and that was a really hard summer for me to make that decision. And, and ultimately, you know, feeling led to, to, to step into ministry. I made the decision, I did it. And, uh, it wasn't a month later before those guys reached out to me and said they wanted to retire my Jersey. Um, wow. and that, that really blessed me a lot. So Ian Kesserich was our, our first hockey guest at the beginning of the year. So he actually started us on this, hey, we should interview hockey players. And uh, anyway, when we were talking with Ian, uh, he told us, uh, you know, like a crazy story from the ECHL days. Tulsa uh, Oiler days, too, he said. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, something about a bus and the brakes. The bus driver had the parking brake on and he smelled it. <laughs> And yeah, yeah he smelled it. And he was yeah. afraid because it was his first road trip and he didn't want to say anything. <laughs> Finally, he said something. And the bus, I guess, went on fire. It burned. Yeah, I was there. Oh, man. That you was were there? You yeah, were I was going to say, were you there, Gary? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the bus for sure. I was in it was, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. We were heading there to play and uh, we were on the way pulling a trailer behind us and the bus driver made a small mistake. He kept the, the parking brake on. And, and all of a sudden, in the back, he starts smelling smelling burning rubber and uh long story short fire started in some of the back tires like in the wheels and it just grew and it grew and it grew and it grew until it completely engulfed that entire bus and we were stranded on the side of the road <laughs> i'll never forget that day oh, now man. you guys had to play the game that night right isn't that what ian oh, said yeah. so we got picked up by a different bus um i don't know if we had time to stop at a restaurant or what but we showed up game was at seven we probably showed up at 6 15 and we threw our gear on and uh got out to warm-ups by 6 35 and we were playing at seven wow so get we're gonna put you on the spot and give us uh give us another road story that would be a good story oh man gosh we've had we've had so many stories it's so funny what some of some of the teams go through you know when you're traveling i i guys i can tell you stories about you know in the playoffs when when one team's flying and other team's busing when i was in allen we had a we had a bus that had two million miles on it you know this thing was they called he was just like an iron lung they call it an iron lung and uh we would load this thing up and we would travel and we didn't know what was going to happen we didn't know if the the ac and the heater would work the whole time we didn't one time in Utah, the brakes started to kind of go out a little bit. Uh, you know, that was that was a little wild. Um, we, we had times where you know we get we get we get stuck some places. But I'll tell you what, the years, the years in Allen when we had that bus, that that crazy bus, um I, it honestly bonded us in significant ways. And when we're playing in Fort Wayne in the playoffs and um and we're showing up in this thing. And, or, or even South Carolina that year, you know, 2015, South Carolina, we're in the finals and South Carolina is flying back to Allen. They beat us home and we're driving this big, you know, iron lung across the country. 
it, it just it, it bonded our guys. Um, it bonded our guys. There were times where we would have to travel through, you know, icy stretches in Idaho and and you know, we, we, we weren't comfortable going through. We just, you know, we just had to, we, it bonded our team. And reality is, is everybody hated that bus so much that <laughs> it made us a brotherhood of guys and it made us tough together. Um, and, and the first year we got rid of that bus was the first year we stopped winning championships in Allen. We, we won in 2015 and in 2016 and in 2017, we got a new bus. Um, wow crazy yeah it's yeah. the bus it's the, it's yeah, the, the bus Play the bus i don't know I, yeah we can say I, I honestly think the bus you know it can it contributes to to you know the team being tight but he asked for a funny story i'll tell you the funniest story i've ever heard i wasn't on the bus for this trip but i'll tell you the funniest story i ever heard um i had an equipment manager uh who was telling us stories about his days in fort worth when he's traveling around uh in the central league or one of the leagues at that point i forget there was a lot of they changed over the years but uh he he was driving and their bus broke down uh their wipers stopped working and it was raining outside it was two in the morning uh they were two hours away from home and so they make a phone call to the guys to come out and help and the guys can't get there until like five or six so they would have to sit through the night in the rain um all night waiting for uh this guy to show up to fix the wipers so they can drive two hours home right so they they can either do that or they can try to figure something out right so these creative guys get a bunch of hockey laces they wrap them into the into the uh wipers and they wrap them around the, the windows on the sides or the door, however they did it. And they had two guys, probably young guys, sitting there pulling the wipers back and forth the whole way. And, uh, and, and these, guys, these, they, these guys got those wipers working and they, they slowly drove home all the way. And they just <laughs> did the wipers the whole time? Uh, they, they had and they would rotate who's pulling wiper duty yeah dead serious. <laughs> that's crazy so so i just laugh you know some of the things that hockey teams will go through it um yeah it's, it's funny so one one question i i have uh because tulsa's kind of experienced this now with uh, a plus catch so you were you were captain in in allen and uh, when you're the vet when you're the older guy on that team does the coach let you in on more of, hey, we, this is where we need to go. This is where we need to take them. Or is the captain kind of treated just like everybody else? What's that relationship between captain and coach, knowing that, you know, you're the vet now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it depends on a couple of things. It depends on your coach. Some coaches have more of a, of a kind of dictator, separate coaching style where they run the show and then the captain leads the team. Um, uh, but oftentimes the best organizations and which is typical is you have a strong relationship between your coach and, and the captain captains are typically older. Um, and so the captain will be a part of, he'll, he'll be the liaison for the team, but he'll be a part of a lot of decision-making. You know, I, I sat in Marty's office for hours, you know, the years that I, I served as a captain and it was, it was great. I, I got to, I got to be a part of a lot of conversations and just just be able to process where the team was, uh, where the team was headed, you know, different different things that we were doing well and things we were struggling with, reasons why we should practice or not practice. Should we practice this hard or this hard? You know, what what does the team need in terms of, you know, rest versus activity? Um I mean, you're part of everything. You're, you're, you're the guy leading the team. And when that communication between coach and player is strong, 
um, it really helps. It really helps the, the organization, helps the teams. So I heard that um, Alan coach Marty is, um, uh, what did I hear? And I'm putting you on the spot and, and, and it, you know, I don't mean to do that. So you can answer this however you want. Basically what I heard was he doesn't like any other coaches except for maybe Rob Murray and Tulsa. Cause maybe their styles are similar, but um, is that true? Like Marty just, it just seems like he just ruffles it. Like, cause I know they email each other every day trying to do the trades and the transactions. <laughs> and it just kind of seems like, yeah, he doesn't talk to anybody, but like two coaches. Uh, you know, I can't speak for Marty. I think, I think Marty is uh, uh, Marty's a competitor. He's, he's one of the fiercest competitors I know. Um, and, and he's also, uh, you know, away from the rink. He's, he's, he's an unbelievable dad. He's a, he's a, he's a friendly man. He's a, he's a guy that, that truly cares about you as a person, you know? So he's, he's, he's a passionate competitor. And, uh, uh, and I think that that can come out real strong and that's why he's won so many championships, 11 oh. championships in 20 some years. Uh, and Absolutely. at the same time, I, I've seen that man make decisions, um, not because of the transaction, so to speak, like what would be the best transaction for the team. Um, I've seen that man make decisions because he cared about people. Um, and, and that to me made me respect him more. And uh, I appreciate him for that. So, you know, I don't know what his relationships are like with other coaches. <laughs> I'm sure he's got some rivalries. I'm sure he's got <laughs> some history, history with some guys. Um, but I, I would venture that I'm sure Marty away from the rink would be spending some great, time connecting with a lot of those coaches probably off the ice or away from the rink if it had nothing to do with hockey i'm sure he'd be that guy well he's he's definitely he he wins and everybody that plays on allen seems to really work hard for the guy like i said because we don't like allen per se because right. we're oil fans but it's yeah it's almost like you know playing with you know whoever they play with is like playing high school. They just dominate anyway. Yeah, but so we had on, we had on Shane Corson uh, a few weeks ago and he told us a story about, about a captain story. So he's in Montreal. He pissed off Pat Burns. Um, he felt he got short shifted a few times and he slammed the, the, uh, the bench door, the, you know, the door to the bench a little too hard for the third time. And Pat Burns said, get off the ice, get your equipment off. You're done. And, you know, he was like a second year player and he thought he was done. And Larry Robinson had to like go in and say, put your equipment back on and you'll go back out there. But I guess the captain had to speak to the coach to go, hey, come on, give, you know, whatever. Do you ever have to do that with anybody if somebody gets in trouble and you got to speak for the guy and maybe, you know, take one with the coach to say, give him a chance or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been times. There's been times for sure where, uh, um, uh, without going into specific details on one of them, uh, one comes to mind for sure that um, coach was ready to ready to kind of be done with a guy, and uh, and we and and, I, and we went in um, and we put our foot down and said said absolutely not. We need this guy. Um, and and the crazy thing is, is that guy became a huge pivotal component to helping us win championships. And, and, and so, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's, it's important to have open dialogue with your coach. Um, and, I, and I think there's a voice that the captains bring because they come from a player perspective and there's so much more than just the physical aspect to the team. There's um, there's a team culture. There's a leadership within that, that culture. There's, there's guys that might not be 
the greatest players or have the fastest legs, but I'll tell you that their leadership and experience and the way that they impact that culture off the ice is just as important as what happens on the ice. And so when you, when you get, you know, you work in tandem with a coach, you begin to, you begin to build an organization that, that is got so many, so many layers and pieces to it, you know, like you having leaders that are, that are the heart and soul of your organization that maybe play less. That's okay. That, that guy's valuable. You know, then there's, then there's your guys that are, you know, your frontline public top scorers and team teammate wise, leadership wise, they might not be the heart and soul of your team, but they might put up the most numbers. And so when you fill a roster with a bunch of guys that can score like crazy, um, that's a valuable team, but typically those teams don't win championships. You, you need men that are going to be going to be your heart and soul guys. And, and you need to layer them with some guys that can score. So anyways, I, I we, we've had some tough conversations. There's been times, I, I don't know if anybody's done that for me, you know, maybe they've done that for me, gone in and, and fought for me, but, um, but yeah, we fought for guys. Um, and, and we've gone in and, and shared, you know, Hey, this guy's a cancer. This guy's causing problems. Yeah. Um, and, and submitted that to coach to, to, he's the final authority. He'll make the decision. Uh, but we, we have that open line of communication. So going back then to Allen American days and obviously what we were talking about and how much you did for the community and how much you meant to not even just the team, but the whole community, do you find it difficult, especially being in the ECHL and then go to the AHL and sometimes some guys are playing for four different teams and being loaned out in the same season did you find it difficult or hard to want to invest yourself into the community knowing, I mean, any minute you could be traded or loaned or you're yeah. gone. I mean, was That's that a question? That's a great question. Yeah. You know, I wrestled that most times. Um, and I think, I think when you go a place, uh, yeah, you don't know what the future typically holds. You don't know if you'll be there for a week, a month, a year, two years, five years. Uh, you, you don't know. So I would have to make conscious decisions uh, to, to, to do that. And so, you know, my perspective when I would go places, just being a Christian, I, I, I saw it as an opportunity that God brought into my life to, to make a difference, hopefully in someone's life in some positive way. And so I, you know, I saw that from a team perspective, but also a, also a community perspective. And so I, I would go and, you know, my priority would be to, to do my job. Well, I would come, I wanted to compete. Well, I want to be available. If we're traveling, I'm there, uh, whatever it takes to be ready for games on Friday. But outside of that priority, I, I look for chances to be able to, to build connections, whether that was meeting with people off the ice, whether that was going to church on Sunday. Um, and even if it was just for a week or two, maybe it was there to encourage somebody who knows. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got friends still, you know, even in Cleveland where I was there for a month, I still know people there and I call people nice. and I connect wow. with people. It's just, it's, it's special. Yeah. You, you, you have great memories. I got friends, you know, I met people when I would travel through towns like Wichita, Kansas, uh, we just played there, you know, a couple of different times and I, I got to meet people. I had people reach out to me and I'm still connected to people there, you know, so right. You know, um, you got to make a conscious effort, though. So, Gary, obviously, you're a really, really nice guy. Seems super down to earth, but you were no stranger to the physical play, and you dropped the gloves, and <laughs> you had some guys pretty good back in the day. I actually remember you from the Allen Americans back in the day. So, what, what did, what was that attitude like when you were finally on the ice? I mean, did you have to kind of tell yourself like, I got to be a mean? I mean, obviously, you, you got to be competitive, but I mean, really, to get into those scrums and those fights, I mean, what was that like? Oh man. 
nerve wracking. You know, most times it's kind of funny, but I, I, uh, anytime you're going to square up with a guy, you know, it's just your adrenaline rolls. But, um, but for me, I'll tell you guys, my, my, my heart with it, you know, I, I, I wasn't a guy that went out looking for it. Um, I wasn't a guy that went, um, like I had it just tried to start. I honestly, I don't, I don't even know how many fights I really started. My, my thing was more standing up for teammates when, when guys were getting cheap shots taken or they were being hurt or attempted to be hurt. You know, I, 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 I was a protector. I was a guy that wanted to step in and make sure that didn't happen again, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, my fight card makes me look way tougher than I am. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I probably got tossed around a handful of times. Um, I, I, I was not the guy that was going to, put on the crazy show in terms of a fight, but I would stand up, I would stand up to protect guys and, and just loved my teammates. And I saw the relationships that that would build with my team, my guys. And um, that, that was my heart. I wanted to, I wanted to protect guys. I wanted to stand up for guys. Um, and, and I would play that role. So it makes my fight card look way tougher than I am. So <laughs> kind of funny. Going from looking at the ECHL and then the AHL, I know sometimes, especially back in the day, I mean, the ECHL is known as like the jungle and everything else. Now, always hungry league. Was it tougher? I mean, were guys tougher in the ECHL where there were a lot more like, you know, meatheads doing cheap shots and stuff compared to the AHL? I mean, was there a difference in <laughs> physical play with that? It, everybody's tough. It, it, you, know, you, you probably get maybe some some older guys and some experienced guys. Some tough, tough dudes for sure in the ECHL in that regard. The American League, you're going to have a lot of guys that are, you know, more speed and skill. They're maybe a little bit bigger and stronger, some of them. Uh, and then you'll get your real heavyweights that start to show up in the American League and the NHL, you know. Um, but typically those real big heavyweights, they're not – they fight each other or they, or they you know – I'm the middle row. I'm like the middleweight. I hated it because, like, the, <laughs> those guys could, could reasonably – you know, kill me. And then, and then at the same time, you know, uh, uh, so I wasn't safe from those guys, but, but they typically didn't look after me, look out and come after me, thankfully, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. it's a, um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic with that, but yeah, you kind of get some bigger heavyweights in the American league, but everybody's tough. It don't matter where you go. You get a bunch of guys that are pretty tough. Gotcha. Last year you came out with your book, the mental side. So yeah. tell us, tell us about the book and the important, uh, the importance of all the messages that are in it. Yeah. So man, thanks for asking about the mental side. That was a passion project. Um, I was traveling the world, uh, doing stuff with FCA. I was going to Turkey. I was going to Italy. I was all across the country. I had relationships with guys at all different levels, um, from the NHL to the American league to guys playing in Europe and, um, guys that were, that were wanting to win in their heart and their mind, you know, for, for Christ. Uh, but also just as players, they hockey guys wrestle all the same stuff. They wrestle with confidence and consistency. They wrestle the fear of failure, the fear of what other people think they wrestle with. How do you believe in yourself when others don't, uh, so to persevere in your dream when it seems impossible, uh, they wrestle with peer pressure and giving in to, to, you know, compromising their values to give in to the, to the team and what the team might be doing. Uh, they wrestle with lies and fears and doubts, just, just, it could be anything, you know, in, in those areas, but they wrestle that stuff. They wrestle with second guessing. And, and so I had, I, I not only have my own experience in this world of, of the mental game, um, but I also, I also had, uh, you know, all these different relationships and I had hundreds of conversations that were all 
the same conversations over and over again and just encouraging and inspiring each other to be able to win mentally uh, and to win in our faith. Like how now as a Christian, adding another layer to it, how do we how do we win as a Christian? How do we even do that? Can you be a, a hockey player and a Christian at the same time? Can you be passionate to win championships and at the same time passionate in your walk with God? And the answer is yes. And, and so for me, I, I really I really sought, you know, from my own experience, from all these conversations, um, it just got put on my heart. I got to put this into something I can hand to people and give to people rather than, than always have these convos. Uh, and so I spent two years writing it, two years writing the book. And uh, um, it was published in June of 2019. So it's a joy to have it. It's, it's awesome. Um, hundreds of people have gotten it. It's hopefully blessed a lot of people. But yeah, that's, that's a passion project. And, it, and hopefully it really helps some people win mentally, you know, both on and off the ice. It'd be great. And Gary, where, if people that are listening are interested in, in checking out your book, where can they buy it or look at it right now? Amazon. Yeah, thank you. For, uh, Amazon's got it. If you want to look on Amazon, it's also available on my website, uh, GarySteffes.com. Um, if you go there, yeah, you can see that. Um, I just started a podcast alongside you guys too. Cool. Yeah, it's it's called the Pure Encouragement Podcast. I, you know, I was thinking recently down, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so many people do these leadership podcasts, and they're awesome. But I'm like, man, God's gifted me to be an encourager. Like that's who I am. I I just I love encouraging people, and and I feel like that energy is just how God's wired me. I'm just in in um, I'm just that guy, you know. And so I I'm like, I want to do an encouragement podcast, you know. And so I I started doing 10 minute clips just to hopefully bless some people. So yeah, if people want to check that out too, they can. But yeah, that book's there, GarySteffes.com, and then Amazon as well. Yeah, no, definitely listeners check it out. And like you just said, uh, you know, when I checked it out there, 10 to like, you know, no more than like 17 minutes. And it's just what, you know, you need, you know, as you're driving in a car to work or whatever it is. And uh, it, it's really good stuff. When we were speaking with, with um, Ian Kessrich and we were also speaking, we had Bobby Robbins on our, on our show. We started to notice that, that, and I didn't know this, that, um, we have a lot of hockey players that that have a firm belief in Christ. And you mentioned FCA, and we've talked about it on our, our podcast before. Um, but it seems to be uh, to us trying to get into this hockey community that there is this larger, you know, uh, 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 group of people that um, are all very much Christian ba uh, based. And um, the characters that are in it, I mean, uh, is you, but you got Bobby Robbins who will confess, you know, he was taking runs at everybody and trying to, trying to destroy their face. But yet he's like, as soon as the fight's <laughs> over, you know, I'm thankful to God, you know, <laughs> but um, so tell us um, uh, a little bit about, was it ever difficult to because you and um, and I know Ian because I saw this at one of the Oiler games at the end of the game you guys would give thanks and praise to 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 the Lord at center ice at the end of the games and I actually remember seeing that you were there mm -hmm. too um, so is it difficult to blend that with a locker room culture of hockey great question great question you know um Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I think I think you, when you go into a locker room culture, um, you're you're going to get pressed, whether you're a Christian or not. Uh, you're going to get pressed, you know, 
about your values. Are you going to stand for your values or are you not? Uh, some guys that aren't Christians, you know, they're they're not they're not guys that go out and stay out late and, and drink and, and they're going to get pressed, you know, because some guys on the team are going to do that. Uh, and so, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to come into a locker room and you're going to have to either have a backbone in your values or not. Um, but, you know, as a Christian, um, thankfully, Thankfully, majority of the teams I played for, people never really gave me a hard time being a Christian. Uh, they just kind of accepted who I was. But I, I made it pretty clear in the most loving way I could um, that this is kind of who I am. And, and I don't pass judgment on anybody. If they want to live that life and do what they do, that's their choice. Uh, but for me, I was I was about fighting to be sober. I was about fighting to to make, you know, good, good you know, honoring, loving decisions and everything that I did, everything that I said, um, everywhere I went, I, I wasn't a guy uh, that would want to be out running around town, you know, at different times in the weekends, if we didn't have games, I would want to be a guy that was serving, that was picking up guys that needed help, guys, that a guy that was there and reliable if needed. And so, you know, I, um, I never, I never pass judgment on people. They make their decisions. I honor them. I love them. But for me, I just, I had to, I had to stand on what I valued and, um, and just do it with the utmost respect and, and love guys as best I could. Before we, uh, we start to wrap up we, and we do our lightning round questions. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, you're doing the uh, uh, podcast, but what, what else are you doing? What's going on in your life? Uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, when I retired, I stepped into ministry, full-time ministry with FCA, um, eventually became a pastor in Dallas, Texas. And uh, my wife and I have been kind of on a journey. We, uh, um, we, we've we worked in a couple different ministries, and we are currently living in uh, my old stomping grounds in Bakersfield, California. I work with a Christian ministry out here called Influencers. We have some 3,000 guys in the region that are going through a, a, just a host of different stuff that we do. Um, it's kind of a church without walls. But I got an unbelievable community in Bakersfield that my wife and I are getting to be a part of here. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm serving, serving a huge community of men, trying to help them grow in their walk with Jesus. Uh, we do all sorts of different events from, um, from huge backyard barbecues to overnight campouts to, um, uh, to, to weekend retreats. And um, it's an honor. It's a blessing. I miss hockey, guys. I do. I miss, I miss playing. I miss the, the – um, the, the rhythms of a season. I miss the rhythms of weeks when you have games on Friday and Saturday and you're traveling and you got to push through and grind. You know, a lot of the work I do now is, is more emotional and relational um, in person to person and projects that you manage um, versus the physical grind and the, the competitive physicality of what we did when we played. Um, I miss that. Um, I miss the compete, the competing. I think a lot of guys that are out of hockey now would agree and relate to me with that, but but I, I'm so thankful for what I get to be a part of, guys. I love it. So I, I work in a ministry. Um, I do a podcast. Um, and, and I try to be a blessing to anyone, you know, that needs help in hockey just to help them in their mental game. So it's kind of my world. I got a beautiful wife, a wonderful daughter, and uh, very thankful. That awesome. is awesome. Cool. We're going to do a lightning round. So we're going to ask quick questions, but you don't need to answer quick. And if you've got a story that you want to go along with, that's fine. But if you just want to Give us a one or two word answer. We're good. We're ready to go. So here's our first lightning round question. Who was your favorite player to play with on the ice? Ooh, favorite player to play with on the ice. Um, I would say, oh gosh, that's hard. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to a, 
uh, I had a lot. I got a lot, guys. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give kudos to one of my favorites back in Tulsa. Uh, his guy his guy name was Drew Fisher. Loved him. Kind of Drew Fisher. I don't know if you guys remember him. He and I would uh, would 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 get on the ice early and we do we practice shooting and doing one timers every single day. I love that guy. He's a wonderful man, and uh, uh, he was one of my favorite guys I ever got to play with. Player that you did not like to play against. <laughs> uh, I didn't like to play against. Um, oh man, uh, one of the first that comes to—I mean, there's a whole bunch on Wichita when I played. When I played against those guys, man, they just—they'd get a whole host of guys that were tough to play against. Um, I, I'll go with a guy named Eric Lizon. Eric Lizon. He was a—he was a—he was a tough character to play against. Toughest goalie to play against. Oh man, Ian Kesserich for sure. Yeah. Favorite arena to play. Favorite arena to play in. Ooh, does this go back to college too? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, whole teenager. Oh man. Career. Okay. Uh, favorite rink that I got to play in. Um, uh, Miami University's rink was was amazing. The biggest momentum rink I ever played in was Yost Arena with with U of University of Michigan. Uh, the most memorable place I ever played, like game-wise, was the national championship game when I played in Washington, D.C. at the Verizon Center. Um, favorite pro rink would be a, a toss-up. Allen, my home rink in Allen, was was incredible. Um, I loved it. I loved it playing in Allen. So I, I would say just that, that rowdy environment was pretty fun. So from your pro career, the arena with the worst ice conditions. Uh, the arena with the worst ice conditions. Yikes. Uh, let me think about that. Um, hmm. I don't want to throw a rink under the bus because that's a big deal. <laughs> I, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier the VOK Center having tough ice. There were some times where the VOK Center had some really, really tough ice just because they would move all the time. They'd move from concert to ice to basketball to ice to concert to you know trucks so i would maybe the be okay would be up there um i wanted to add this one in because I, I always like to ask this question but was there any player that got under your skin the most <laughs> on the ice of course oh man um players that got under my skin gosh you're, you guys are making me think through my uh think through my my career oh man um Trying to think of some of the guys that were just the hardest to compete against. Oh man, come back to that one. Let me think on that. Okay, let me think yeah, on yeah. it. So the craziest or funniest thing to happen to you during a game? The craziest or funniest thing to happen to me during a game? Oh, guys, I got a funny story for you. If you're interested cool. in this, most embarrassing moment of my entire pro career. It was <laughs> uh, uh, oh, we were in Wichita, Kansas. I was playing for Tulsa. Uh, it was military night. They had flags that lined it. Like when Wichita goes on military night, they, they go big or go home. And so they, uh, they lined this entire rink with, uh, with flags. Uh, they brought out some, some soldiers into the, uh, into the center on this big gray carpet. And they, they made the statue of putting the flag into the, into the rock. I don't know exactly what that statue is, but they, they commemorated that they had a, a guy up in the bleachers that they honored. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we all stood on the bench and we just, we watched this thing 
happened. Well, when the, the thing was over, um, I was starting and, uh, and all the flags, you know, started filing out and they let us on the ice and just start stretching our legs a little bit. And so I, I hop on the ice and I'm skating around and I kid you not, as I'm flying up towards the, the blue line, um, I, I lose an edge and I, uncontrollably fly on my side into this huge gray carpet that they're rolling up and I flip head over heels almost into the guy, almost take them out. And I get a standing ovation from everybody in Wichita. Some 10,000 people give me a standing ovation. And, uh, <laughs> and I come to the face off, you know, embarrassed as ever. And the, the guy that was taking a face off against me was my buddy. I, I love him. Uh, <laughs> he just looks at me, smiles and he goes, losing edge. <laughs> i'll never forget that day guys that was funny embarrassing uh, so the last one who was your biggest mentor in hockey oh man biggest mentor in hockey who um biggest mentor I, I i had a great relationship with uh with steve martinson i would say that i had a wonderful relationship with him um he, he and I spent a lot of time talking and he just, he, he really, he, he really, uh, he poured into me a lot from a coaching perspective. So I appreciate him from a player perspective. Um, you know, I got to play with some remarkable guys, um, from my, my early days, you know, I mentioned Tyler Fleck. I just so respected him as a leader, the way he treated me as a young guy, the like that guy would get on his knees and would block shots with his chest with barely any shoulder pads on. He just had heart. The guy was so full of heart. He was tough. He, he, he had heart. He loved the guys. And then he treated me with respect as a rookie. And he, you know, he, he, he honored me and just, I appreciated him very much. So I, you know, I think about men like him, you know, from a teammate perspective, I, I think about guys I got to play with like Chad Costello uh, that was just a prolific scorer. And yet, a humble man. He, he, he just, he didn't, he, he fought hard, but he was unbelievably gifted, probably one of the most prolific scorers in double a hockey history. And yet when you met him, you wouldn't know it. He, he would try to come out after games and whether we won or we lost, he, he would want his kids to have no idea how that game went. Cause he wanted to love them the same. And so I just, I respected guys like that. I loved them. And I could go down the list guys and give so many that made a difference in my life, but I'll start with those three. So Gary, we're going to, um, close it off here by asking you to give us a message. So it's been a tough year and a half for everybody with the pandemic, everything else. A lot of people are suffering. Um, a lot of people are just getting through life. Uh, it seems like, you know, I mean, violence is on the rise, uh, political divisiveness, all this stuff. It seems like we're in a crazy time. Lead, put on your captain hat, put on your ministry hat for a moment and leave us with, leave us with a, a, a positive message as we're going to come oh, out of this podcast for the future. Oh man, guys, what a, what, wow. Okay. Let me think. I'll tell you the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, and if it's all right, I'll speak from a pastor's heart. Um, sure, absolutely. But uh, yeah, my, my pastor's heart, one of my favorite one of my favorite verses uh, that is so ministered to my soul through this time um, it is, it's in, it's a verse in Isaiah. It says, uh, it says that Lord, you keep in perfect peace, the one who keeps his eyes fixed on you because he trusts you trust in the Lord forever. Um, that's one of my favorite verses. And I cling to that, um, all the time because God promises that those that keep their eyes fixed on him, he will keep in perfect peace. 
And, and I think that's something that we need in a time like this. We need that with all the stuff that is going on with, with COVID, with culture, with, with social media and, and the, the, you know, the opinions and the, the people that can be violent and the people that can be mean and just like, just the, the contention that is all around, um, it doesn't peace sound pretty good, you know, and, and, and we need that. We don't know what tomorrow holds completely. We, we wrestle that we've been in isolation for a long time. Uh, a lot of people are isolated and then there's fear that just has rocked so much of our culture that, that some people are coming out of and some people are still struggling with. And, and we just, we really need to, to, to meet everybody where they're at. We need to love people like as, as best we can, but God promises to give perfect peace to those that keep their eyes fixed on him. And so my encouragement would be if, if somebody, you know, knows Jesus, turn their eyes away from the horizontal chaos and set their eyes vertically on him. If they don't know Jesus, my encouragement would be to check them out and to ask as many questions as you can and come and pursue just you know, is this really true? Does, does this, does Jesus really give perfect peace? And, and he'll meet you wherever you're at uh, in that pursuit. And so my encouragement would be that, that God would give perfect peace to those that set their eyes on him. And, and that's what's carrying me a lot through a lot of this time. Gary, we want to thank you so much. We, we had a great time, Andrew. Yeah. Fantastic time. Appreciate you coming on and taking the time for us, yeah, Gary. We want to thank, thank you, guys. guys. This, this has uh, been in the making, but uh, certainly didn't disappoint. So yeah, absolutely. we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, guys. I'm truly honored. Thankful, thank and you, I pray dude. this blessings over both of you guys. I love what you're doing. Thank so you, we're Gary. just going to pause this, and we'll say goodbye off air. All right, Dad, episode 23 wrapped up. For people that don't know, maybe you caught some of what we were saying in here. We're actually supposed to have Gary Steffes a while ago on episode 20, but um, time zones and some things didn't work out. But we were so excited, man, to finally have Gary on the show. Dad, what was, what was your thoughts? Yeah, and, and uh, I've spoken to Gary on the phone a few times. Uh, and just a super nice, I mean, he is exactly what he was on the podcast. And a great guy, deep in faith. And um a motivator absolutely and um i really really hope that our listeners would actually go and and listen to some of his podcasts because they are very motivational and uh and check out his book the mental side and what a great guy we've been looking forward to having him i enjoyed watching him play um for the allen americans he was the captain and it's just you know great hockey player and wonderful person yeah, and I'll be uh, as as we post, uh, you know, this episode and everything. We'll also put the links into where you can buy the book in case you have trouble finding it, and his website and everything too. And if you want to hear even a a, a clip or two, uh, something short from his podcast, I I could be wrong here, but I'm almost certain I, I had checked out a few of his stuff on Instagram. So I mean, he's available everywhere, especially if you're into that motivating stuff and, and need some of that. And if you're especially if you're into the uh, into faith and the Christianity, definitely he's a great guy to look up to for that right again and a lot of our guests um have a deep faith and and again the uh fca hockey is everybody sort of you know uh that's that gold standard organization for hockey and and having people uh you know intertwine their personal faith in with hockey it's 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 wonderful so again check out fca hockey as well so we're doing well andrew on our podcast not that i follow these things too closely, but somehow uh, my email was registered for one of the podcast rankings or however it works. So we check it out and we're actually uh, on the charts in U.S. 
Canada. And where else did I say? Latvia. Yeah. We got fans in Latvia. And Slovakia. Slovakia. You're in top 100. Yeah, like 88. And there was another one as a Russian, Russian little, I can't think of it. I noticed we have a couple downloads in Thailand too so maybe we'll yeah but i'm talking i'm talking chart yeah so anyway we want to thank our listeners and it's we know it's our guests we hopefully bring a good questions uh to our guests and it's our guests and they're gracious of their time and sharing our podcast that we're starting to really be recognized out there you know we've we haven't broke into the top no we did break into the top 100 in the u.s 88 so we want to thank our listeners for the support Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. I mean, you name it. Now we're linked even more, right? You just iHeartRadio. Uh, today I got the message. We're on Pandora. Finally, Castbox, so Amazon, any, basically anywhere. Anywhere now. Yep. So we appreciate everybody checking in on episode twenty-three, and we would like to once again thank our fans so much for continuing to download our episodes and giving a father and son a chance to bond and to try and get themselves in the hockey community a little bit. Yeah, this is great. Everybody take care. Take care. Have a great day.